Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Sanchez gets hit, the ball is loose, and it's alive. And then going into the end zone is Steve Gregory. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. And it was the backside of Brandon Moore that knocked the ball out. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Salakata back on the fan. While you were sleeping, we started the show talking about the Mets and the Yankees. Mets getting blasted 10-0 in Milwaukee. They'll be back at it tonight with Max Scherzer on the mound. Yankees coming through with another victory at home against the Phillies. Phillies winless on the year 0-4 to start after getting to the World Series a year ago. LeMayu with a couple of hits. Uh, Anthony Rizzo with a two-run homer. Glaber Torres again contributing with his second home run of the year. Yanks get uh, roughed up the, the former Met, Taiwan Walker. They get to him in his four and a third innings of work. And Nestor Cortez was terrific through five innings as well. Cortez showing that he is not just some fluke as he's been good now. Uh, for three years in a row. So really, I think we've got to just start looking at Cortez. I know it's just one start, but hey, we got to start looking at Nestor Cortez as a reliable, trustworthy, quality arm in that Yankees rotation. We touched on some college hoop stuff, UConn winning a title. The big thing for me will be what it means for the Big East moving forward, and St. John's in particular, that rivalry maybe with UConn, you know, with Hurley versus Patino, that could be fun. And also, we mentioned the women's national championship game where we talk about Caitlin Clark and her taunting, and then Angel Reese followed up, and then Angel Reese taking a lot of flack for her taunting back of Caitlin Clark, and the invite for the the loser Iowa team to the White House, which I just don't understand. Anyway, these have been uh, topics of discussion while you were sleeping. Get it? 877-337-6666. Brian is calling from Mineola. What's up, Brian? Oh, Sal, how you doing? Good, Brian. How are you? Oh, very good. Um, yeah, I was um, uh, listening. Uh, I don't want to bring it back. Um, they were talking about that whole thing with the UFC and the WWE. Yeah, the well, merger, right? Where I guess that the yeah, WWE is being it, sold. Yeah. Yes, there was a company Everclear. They bought them for nine point three billion dollars. Hmm. Vince McMahon still in the head, and um, the guy from the UFC still in charge too. But um, Dana White? that's what's going on there. Dana White, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know enough about it. Uh, you're talking about Dana White, the guy in the UFC who's still in charge, but he's in charge of UFC, nothing to do with WWE, right? Yes, yes. And yeah, um, I, Vincent Mann's still there, Everclear, is just some big conglomerate that just... Um, well, well, I guess what I want to know is, how is this possible for Vince McMahon to be through all he's gone through with the controversy and all the, the, all the you know, details about... Uh, you know, the potential yeah. relationships and, and hush money and all that stuff 
to a point where he got a, I thought he had to get pushed out from creative control and, and being the head of WWE. How is he now back selling the thing and then going to be back in the mix as far as having control? I don't understand it. Yeah, he's on the executive board. <laughs> well, uh, right. Um, but how does that happen? How did he not get booted from the board? Gosh, well, Everclear put him on the board. Um, this is oh, the okay. New, so, uh, right. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I, I don't, and thank you for the call, Brian. I'm not sure that that brings clarity exactly to what I'm looking for. And by the yeah. way, does it really matter? You you know this? Uh, you know about this, EJ? You have yeah, some details. I'm, that yeah, I'm, I'm a big wrestling fan, so I can help you out here. So, oh, you are? Yeah, yeah. I, I oh, you know what, EJ? Last night I could have used you. We had Manny oh, here last yeah. night during WrestleMania, and I went to Manny and was like, "Hey, did you watch WrestleMania?" And he said, "No, I, I'm not into it." And meanwhile, you are the wrestling fan. Oh, yeah, anyway, was, educate me on this, yeah, EJ. It was like four or five hours of WrestleMania all weekend. So yeah, so so Endeavor is the company. They own UFC. They are now merging with the WWE to to basically create a new mega conglomerate con company that would include UFC and WWE. So Vince McMahon sold his controlling stake, which is 51% of WWE, to Endeavor, who now has controlling stake. Now, Vince will stay on as, I think, executive chairman is his title. And the thing was, he never technically left WWE. I know he said that he retired, but he really only, quote-unquote, retired from creating the show, so to speak. He was still on the board. And he eventually then kind of did a hostile takeover to kind of take back control of the board so that he could actually make this sale. So it was a whole situation. But essentially, he said, I'm leaving, but didn't actually leave. And that allowed him to do this. And now, what does it mean moving forward? Did it, did the sale go through or it's going it's, through? It's going to go through. So they, so they announced that this is an acquisition that is going to happen. There there are not any reasons to think that it won't happen. But okay. this was the announcement that came out earlier yesterday was that um, that this agreement has come into place. There's going to be like a $9 billion agreement, I think, for uh, Endeavor to take over that 51% 51 con controlling stake. The rest of the stakeholders with the 49%, they'll keep their stake. But it'll be Endeavor who now has a controlling stake of the company. I yeah, I saw somewhere where like Vince paid one million for it, now selling it for nine billion. Yes. Okay, so what does this mean? Two then questions. I don't know if you could answer these yeah. for me, EJ, but it would be helpful if you could. What does this mean for where we consume the product for fans? Like, is it going to remain on TV? Yeah. Is it going to remain the Peacock Network? Is all that still going to remain the same? So that's the very interesting thing, because some of the early conversations we've been hearing from this WCEO, Nick Khan, who remains CEO, is that there could be more, quote unquote, kind of you know, actual pay-per-views kind of back like the old days where you had to pay, you know, a certain, you know, $60, $70 to pay for access to WWE pay-per-view. Whereas now, right now, if you have Peacock, you get all the WWE pay-per-views essentially for free they call premium live events mm -hmm. so uh you pay the nine dollars or 14 whatever it is and you get them free now they're saying kind of like the espn plus model for ufc where even though if you have espn plus like i have most of the fights or a lot of the big fights i'll still have to pay 40 50 dollars for to then you know pay for the subscription It'd be a little less i think than what the normal pay-per-view price would be but still okay big, so there might be changes there the library maybe stay the same with Peacock, yeah. whatever, but there might be changes for the pay-per-view. And then yeah. the last question on this, EJ, is what does it mean for Vince McMahon as far as having creative control, meaning the script and all that stuff, or his impact on television, on the actual current product? Yeah, so when he talked about it on CNBC to say today, he said he, quote-unquote, he answered the question yes and no in terms of whether he'll have creative control. So he said... Yes, I'll be overseeing things 
but no, I won't be in the weed the way I I normally was or the way I used to be. Now, a lot of wrestling fans are skeptical because Vince McMahon has said this before. Um, just a couple years ago, he hired uh, Paul Heyman and Bischoff to run two of the WWE shows, and then he was very still hands-on. So that, that was not the case. So we don't know if that's the case right now. Triple H, uh, the former wrestler, now you know, uh, you know, an executive in the company, he's been um, basically running the shows and writing the shows for the past some odd months, whatever Vince McMahon announced his retirement. And there are a lot of fans who really like what Triple H is send, sending the company to in the direction. So um, there's kind of questions about whether or not So we Vince still McMahon don't will, know. Yeah, we still don't know for sure. He's saying that he will kind of, quote-unquote, oversee things but not be so in the weeds, but we don't know what that means. And then one more, I, I lied, I have one last one. What about Shane McMahon and Stephanie McMahon, his children? What, yeah. what is their impact here moving forward? So as of right now, uh, neither of them, I believe, are involved with this. So Stephanie McMahon, when Vince kind of did his hostile takeover a couple of months ago where he retired and said, I'm unretiring, coming back, and I'm going to get ready to sell the company, Stephanie McMahon uh, resigned as co-CEO. So and that was seen as a move where essentially it was almost like an episode of succession, you know. Everybody, yeah, I was just thinking that. I was just thinking control. the same thing. Yes, that's exactly kind of what it's been. So Stephanie had become the co-CEO when Vince retired. When Vince kind of took back the company, she resigned, and she has not been back since. Now Shane McMahon, who had also had a falling out with his father for something on the creative side, nothing to do with the the executive side. Um, he actually made an appearance at WrestleMania to the surprise of most people because there was rumors that they had a major falling out. Uh, creatively, and then he actually injured himself at WrestleMania in a, a real-life injury, tore his quad during a spot with Snoop Dogg and with The Miz. So um, he, he wrestled Shane McMahon. He, he came out. It, it was like a ten-second situation. He came out as a surprise. He tore his quad in ten seconds. He tore his quad in ten seconds. He did a leapfrog over The Miz, and he tore his quad. And Snoop Dogg had to come in and save the day, save the segment essentially by going in, punching The Miz, oh, and, doing a, and doing a people's elbows. Pretty wild scene in L.A. Oh, look at you. EJ's in. All right, EJ. Thank you for trying to educate us and, <laughs> yeah. and clear some things up here. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just I can't get into it anymore. But I am intrigued by the backstory and the takeover and what does it mean for the company. I mean, it's been a largely successful company that Vince McMahon turned into this phenomenon. And then he gets booted out for... You know reasons where he's you know messing around behind the scenes and doing stuff he shouldn't have been doing, and now all of a sudden he, as you said, the the hostile takeover, and it feels like he's back. Anyway, eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Hector is calling from Washington Heights. Good morning, Hector. Good morning, Sal. Hector, Good how we feeling? We're gonna bump heads on Saturday. It sounds like, huh? Yeah, I'm going to try to go. I, I was going to try to go anyway, but being that it's Kodai Senga's debut, I want to go to the game. So I just have to get it approved with the boss, a.k.a. my wife. And once I do that, uh, then I'll figure out uh, you know, the logistics of it. Well, it would be nice. And uh, they had that nice uh, City Field replica giveaway. I know you, know you like all those little things, so I like it myself. Yeah, that I don't out. want. I actually don't <laughs> want that. I'm I'm. T- I'm trying to get rid of all my crap. I don't want any any more collectibles. I want to get rid of it all. So I'm not going to – I'll pass on that one and maybe give it away if I do get it. But I want to go see well, Kodai Senga. I'll be right, that, I'll be right there if you want to give it away. Yeah, <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> what more do you need me to give you? I give you the shirt off my back. Almost oh, literally. Oh, oh, my goodness. Wow. Okay. We're going to go there. No, no, go no, I'm just messing around. I'm just messing around. I mean, I did give you the Mary Buckman shirt, but it wasn't off my back. I never wore it, actually. Well, thank you. Jeez. Oof. Well, I mean, I mean uh, come on. It's just it's just paying you back for the rides. Of course, I know. I'm just messing with you, Hector. 
No, 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 no. I'm saying thank you for not being right literally off your back. I mean, you know, I love you, Sal, but come on. Well, I mean, I, I must I must say, a Salicata worn Mary Buckmiss hoodie might have more value than just a standard unworn Mary Buckmiss hoodie, no? Well, you have a point there. You have a point there. I'm not going to fight you <laughs> on that. But you know what, Sal? Something that I did fight you a lot on last year was a harassment guy. Man, I'm trying to be positive about this team. You know, it's early. And obviously, it's a long way to go. And a lot of things are going to change and all of that good stuff. But, you know, they're, they're, they're really making it tough right now. The offense is putrid, so it brings you back to everything that you hated from last season and how it ended. Um, and for me, not being a fan of Carrasco all through last season, even before that, and he comes out here with this thinker. But you know what? I got to admit, I just watched, because I didn't get to watch the game yesterday. So I went back and I watched the condensed game before I made this call. And I'm a fan of Tommy Hunter, but jeez, man. <laughs> He's Why? really the one that killed this. Made you, why made are you, you uh, a fa- why are you a fan of Tommy Hunter exactly? I mean, he seems like a nice guy, but he sucks on the mound. Come I, on. I, no, I, I I think I thought he's done well for us. You know, I tell you this though, I I worried about both of them coming up with injury because that's what we've seen a lot with both these guys. Um, you know, that's bothered me about Carrasco. Every time he has a tough start, I don't like the things he says, and then there's always an injury announcement or something that comes after that. So I'm, I'll be interested to see the next couple of days with both of them guys. Because they both looked way off. I mean, Hunter had absolutely no control. He was hanging and stuff. You know, the velocity on Carrasco, all, all of that worries me, man. So I, I want to see what happens with that. And listen, we need Carrasco right now. We're using our depth. You know what I'm saying? The depth that we thought we had in the starting rotation is being used right now. So we need this guy. And hopefully we get good news for Verlander. He comes back soon and... Maybe Carrasco is the odd man out if Peterson and McGill keep doing the job or, or do a good well, job. Well, the problem is the problem's going to be early on, similar to Eduardo Escobar, where you know if McGill's got options, they could move him back and forth, and you probably ride with Carrasco a little bit until something happens where you know he's I'm tired either hurt. Of that stuff, we... I'm tired. Can we go on merit? I'm tired of this nonsense of options and this guy's older and this guy's track record. Enough of that nonsense. That's enough for right. me. No, you're you're right, but they will oh, go I'm on hurting, merit. Man. Just, and I yeah, say but one they will, but they will, but just not off of one game. I mean, they're fat. You can't just overreact and oh, he had one bad game. Get him game. out of here. It's more than one. No, game. but 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 what has Tyler McGill proved exactly in his big league career? I mean, you're ready to go with Tyler McGill. He hasn't been that good either. He he's been better than Carrasco, and he at this point he has a higher upside than Carrasco. Like, I well, higher upside, sure, but you. Good. need... But you need to see it play out. Like right now, uh, look, I do think eventually, I do think eventually Carrasco is going to be the odd man out. But I need to see. Like I trust Peterson. Peterson's going to be a mainstay. He's not going anywhere. He's going to be in that rotation. They need to get Verlander back. If you're looking to push a guy out, Tyler McGill is going to be probably number one. Even though maybe based on merit, it should be Carrasco at this point. But they're going to give the veteran a lot more room here. You're going to give him a couple of months, much like Escobar. Maybe Escobar gets a month before you start forcing the hand with Brett Beatty. Well, that all makes me sick, Sal. And we're going to continue to disagree all year on that, especially yeah. Carrasco. But anyways. Yeah, but I you have to understand, to... once they once they make that move, like you're saying, it makes you sick. Yeah, okay, well, you want to go with Beatty right now. Or you want to go with you no, know, no, Tyler McGill over Carrasco. I can wait on Beatty. I can wait okay. on Beatty. But I, listen, I, I don't have time. One thing I don't have time for is those two guys right now. I'm even laying off a of vocal back. Nice hit by him yesterday. I was happy to see him swing at a you know, down and in pitch. 
where he usually lays off and wants to swing up and away and do nothing with it. He's strong like that. He lasered it. Now, be a little bit smarter, guy. Read that play better. Know your right fielder. These guys are talking about he has a good arm. You should know that from the scouting report. Don't go on that. You're not that fast. Yeah, well, but that's but, but that's. I'll, don't you understand? That's part of the problem I have with Vogelback. He doesn't hit with power. You know, he doesn't hit with power. He doesn't hit with high average. When he actually does get I a know. base hit, he can't run. He can't run the bases. I, it may trust me up a wall. I'm a chubby guy too, but I can run. I think I'm faster than Vogelback. But I can't get on him for that. I mean, I'm a, I'm a little bit on the heavy side too. You know that. You're not but a I professional know. baseball player. Know, he I is. Know. Well, you know, I, you know, I gotta give him a break. I gotta give him. But can no, I can no, I we don't. It is his job oh, to keep well, his body in shape. That's how I feel about Carrasco. So come on, calm down. I feel the same way about Carrasco. I'm calm down. You calm down. Let me say this, please. Please, and I, cause I'm going to throw you a little bit of, no, I'm not going to throw you a bone, but you might get a little excited here. Eric bring it up, and I was actually thinking it, uh, but a little bit different than what you guys are saying. That you know, I don't hate the World Baseball Classic. I enjoyed it and all of that good stuff. But one thing is that I'm surprised Lindor's not doing well, because Lindor played. Lindor did well in spring training. Lindor did well um, even uh, when he came back. Lindor did well in the, in the, in the Classic. The guys that I, I'm thinking now, these guys barely played McNeil and Alonzo, and they're doing horrible. So I do wonder how that affected them, because they went out there, they didn't get many at-bats, where maybe they would have been better served here, but I'm not saying, and I will never say guys shouldn't go to their classes. But I will, yeah, I did uh, want to, you know, I did think Well, that that, that's fine. I, I don't I don't really think, and thank you for the collector, I don't really think it had that big of an impact or has had that big of an impact on their results right now through five games one way or another. Like I don't think Aaron Judge is thriving to start because he didn't go to the WBC. And I don't think Lindor and Alonzo or McNeil are struggling because they did go to the WBC. I really think it's just coincidence or you could pick it, uh, pick any, you know, uh, any argument you want or, or point to that for a reason, but it's not legit. However, they need to get going, and they will get going eventually. Lindor and Alonzo post, they play, they put up the numbers consistently, but it does show you the Mets without those guys just don't have nearly enough in their lineup. You know, and I know you've been after Carrasco for a while. I like him because I trust the veteran starter that's been accomplished. He had a nice run last year for a couple of months, but it, there have been too many times since he's been here where he's gotten blown up. And that just can't happen, especially now. They need him to be a trustworthy arm in the back end of their rotation without Verlander, without Quintana. They need Carrasco. If he's not that, it's going to be a problem for him. The Vogelback thing, look, I get it. Not everybody's going to be a fast runner. But, dude, come on. He's a singles hitter that cannot run, has no position defensively, and he's not even that high. He doesn't even hit for high of an average. Like, think about that. What exactly does Vogelback do that you guys love? I don't understand it. It drives me up a wall. What, because he's a funny guy, a nice guy? And because he's got a, a an un, unorthodox body for a, a professional athlete? Like, come on. So did Mo Vaughn. You know what the difference was? Mo Vaughn hit. He hit bombs. Vogelback's going up there looking for a walk. He, he plays like he's Tim LaCastro trying to get on base. He can't do anything, Vogelback. 
He can't run. He doesn't hit for power. He doesn't hit for average, and he can't field. So, again, you tell me what he does. All you all you guys want rough out of here. Go, get rough out of here. He stinks. Rough is horrible. And I'm not disputing that, and he's gone. But what about Vogelback? Why do you love him so much when he does nothing? This on the heels yesterday, in case you missed it, he had a base hit but got thrown out trying to stretch it to a double, which probably should have been a double for any other big league player. Come on now with Vogelback. Enough. There's a team that's trying to go out there and win a World Series, and you're messing around with this guy He's a DH. Shouldn't be on the team. You preach flexibility and versatility and all that stuff, and then you get a guy that is, I was going to say one-dimensional, but I don't even know what that one dimension is. The best thing Vogelback's done since he's been a Met has been that commercial. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We have a mic and you have a phone. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Back on the fan, 877-337-6666 is the number to call. Some early concerns about the Mets, for sure. I mean, they'll be fine. They're a good team. But it was an ugly performance yesterday. And, you know, through five games, Lindor, Alonzo aren't hitting the older rotation already. You know, with Verlander out for a little bit, however minimal uh, the injury may be or however short his stint may be on the I.L., He's still not there to start the year. That's not a good thing. They lose Quintana uh, early on, uh, you know, in spring, and he's out for several months. If uh, you know, best case scenario, if he comes back, you know, what after the All Star break, which is going to be a while, and it was supposed to be Quintana and Carrasco holding down the back end of that rotation. And then you see Carrasco go out there in his first start, and he was just terrible right from the get, uh, right from the the get go with the pitch clock violation before he threw an, an actual pitch. And then talking about how, you know, maybe needing more stamina to deal with the pitch clock where, you know, if he needs a bit of a breather for an older guy to go out there and have to work at that pace, he found it uh, apparently a little challenging. That would be concerning moving forward. Yankees, no such concerns at the moment. Everything uh, coming up roses so far through their first four games, winning three of them against the Giants and the Phillies. And young Johnny Brito looks nasty in his first start. You have Cortez doing his job. Cole was good. On the mound for his job, Judge, Stanton, Torres, Rizzo, everybody hitting bombs. Yankees doing what they do. Now, they're still not 
a perfect team by any stretch. I mean, think about the New York Yankees starting Frenchie Cordero and Aaron Hicks in their outfield in the same game, no less. But you know, Yankees probably an outfield bat away, and they you know you could always use more arms. Um, but still, the Yankees doing it uh, with power and pitching so far to start this young season. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Chris is in Manhattan. Good morning, Chris. How are you? Good morning, Sal. Sal, I didn't hear you open. I'm sure you covered this, but you know what we've been saying. There are. I don't want to say concerning because it is too early. But all those signs that we're seeing that we were concerned about the offense last year with the Mets, we're seeing them already and. You know, they, the thing is, the way the Mets are currently constructed, and you've outlined a lot of reasons why, they have kind of like a razor-thin level of if they're going to be successful offensively or not in any one game, right? You know, like if, like you said, a couple of those, if that top of the lineup is completely unproductive, they almost have no chance to ever win that game. Uh, well, th- they need, yeah, but it is right. just, I mean, it is just five games, but they need, it's no secret, Chris, they need Alonzo and Lindor to produce. I mean, they, they're built like that. They need, they're built on Scherzer, Verlander, Alonzo, Lindor, and unfortunately we're built on Edwin Diaz. So that's why I was so devastated right. when the Mets lost Diaz because he was one of the integral parts of this team. Now you lose that. Okay, yeah, the bullpens looked okay, but still they lose a major weapon. Now even more so, they need Lindor, Alonzo, and Verlander and Scherzer, and Verlander's not there. He's on the IL. You're right. And, and look, but the thing with that is, like, like we all know, is you know, everyone's going to go through a couple-day cold streak minimum. And if those a few of those people get cold at the same time in a big series, that's, that's why the Mets have to get – they have to stir up this offense. And, I, you know, you saw the other night um, the, the three prospects having that ridiculous night uh, all day, like combined 12 RBIs. You saw that? Like It was uh, Beatty and, uh, and uh, Alvarez and all those well, guys. I saw Beatty. A- I did not see what anybody else has done, but I've seen the numbers for Beatty. There was there was one night the three of them just went crazy. I mean, so look, I, you know, I would say to me like May one is a good time to, if they're not this offense doesn't get a little more in gear, you got to implement one or two of those people in the lineup sooner rather than later. But for me, and I understand that's triple A pitching. I get it. They're not going to necessarily do that right off the bat, but just to infuse some level of 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 power in the lineup. Uh, that's that's what I'm hoping the Mets decide to do. Well, well, eventually. I mean, that may be the case eventually, Chris. We can't have that be the conversation or the main focal point after just five games. I'm not going to do that. As much as I'd love to flip out yeah. and go nuts. You know, here's the bottom line. For years, we could yell and, and scream about the Mets because we knew that going into the year, they weren't good enough. Right now, what we're doing is nitpicking a team that won 101 games a year ago. And that worst-case scenario this year, I mean, look, worst-case, there's always room for that. I shouldn't say worst-case. But in all likelihood this year, even if things don't go as well as they would hope, they still should be a 90-plus win team and find themselves in the postseason. Sal, you're right. And listen, if, if any of us were Phillies fans, you can look at the way the Phillies started, and they're probably going bonkers there, too. So we have Well, to that would be something. Put- now that yeah. would be something. If the if I came on today after the Mets were zero and four to start their year, we'd be having some fun ripping them apart. It would be a very different morning. You're absolutely right, and and I understand that because that, yeah, that that's a really horrific way to start. Hey Sal, what do you think of this guy Santana in the bullpen? Uh, I mean, to see a lot more of them. I mean, whatever. Yeah. I'm not I'm not you know worried about him necessarily. What I will say is their bullpen overall, though, Chris, and thank you for the call. Their bullpen overall has looked pretty good. Um, you know, as for Santana specifically, I don't have an opinion on him yet. 
I know I don't want Tommy Hunter there anymore. Nice guy, funny guy, good personality. I don't think he's a good pitcher. He's the type of guy you don't... I mean, I know each team has one of those guys. Last year, to me, it was Trevor Williams. Is that the role Tommy Hunter's going to take over now? I mean, I don't think he's that good. Trevor Williams is actually good in that role. Keeping that game at bay is a... That's a. I mean, it's not like the Mets couldn't come back. Now they didn't, of course, but the game was over once Hunter came in and poured gasoline on the fire. If you come in there and get out of it and, you know, don't allow five additional runs, maybe the Mets start to chip away and, and at least compete in that game. So it's a valuable role. Not everybody in the bullpen is going to be lights out, but I do like the Mets' bullpen where you look at it so far with Robertson, Ottavino, Rayleigh, Drew Smith. Those are four guys that can get the job done on any given night, you know, it's a pretty deep bullpen. It's just the thing that irks me to no end, and I'm, I'm not going to be able to let it go, I'm sorry. Because I have a feeling that it's going to rear its head come October, assuming the Mets get there. There's always going to be the, yeah, but what if they had Diaz? Think about how loaded their bullpen would be. It was built to have Edwin Diaz. This is not, oh, they lost Diaz, so they went out and got somebody in addition. This was, no, they were supposed to have Diaz plus Rayleigh, Robertson, Ottavino, Drew Smith. That's what made this essentially a super pen. And now you're taking the best arm out of it. That's what the frustrating part is. So I I haven't gotten to the point yet where I could say, all right, let's move on completely. I mean, I know we have to. But I still look at it and say, geez, this is not how they were built. They were built to have Diaz there. So, yeah, the bullpen may be good, but it should be great. And it's not. And that's something that eventually I'll have to accept, but I can't do that yet. Dino is calling from Maryland. What's up, Dino? So, how you been? Good, Dino. How are you, man? I'm doing well as I look forward to Rangel playoff hockey. But let me get let me get to this guy right here. Carrasco, you skipped your last start in the spring because you needed a maintenance day. Well, what happened? What happened? Walk third inning, stolen base, got the two outs. You, you should have manned up and not let the first run score. Down one nothing. Next inning, you got the first two guys out. Gave up a single. You should have manned up and not gave up a two-run homer. And what happened in the fifth? You walked the first two guys. Memo to Carrasco, next time you don't freaking miss a start, in your last spring training game because you need a, a maintenance day. Hmm. That's my take on it, Sal. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost like you were leaving a voicemail there for Carlos Carrasco. I don't think he's going to hear this, but if he did, he'd probably feel like, you know, uh, you lit a fire up under him. You know what I mean? Gotcha. But I, I also, I like the I like this as far as eight straight days for the Mets. Perfect for me. Earn it, and then you get the off day on Friday. And then, and, and then speaking of which, one more thing for me. Speaking of limits tests, Coming up with Rangers Lightning, there you go. There's your playoff mentality right there. You, you got the team that knocked you out in the playoffs last year. Here's your warm up test on Wednesday to get ready. Yeah, for but the, the game, but but the game means nothing, Dino. I know, right? I know, valid, I know, valid point. But I look at it from a pool player's perspective. For me, I, w- I want to get ready for playoffs. I have to, I have to get ready for uh, against a playoff caliber team. Is how I look at it. Yeah, I mean, but the but what about the Devils game last week? That to me, and thank you for the call, Dino. And boy, you really have it in for Carlos Carrasco. I mean, I do agree with you. The walks are infuriating. But this game essentially doesn't mean anything. Rangers three points behind the Devils right now in the Metro Division. Devils three points behind Carolina. And the Devils have played one more game than Carolina. So it seems like uh, Carolina is going to be that number one seed. And the Rangers and Devils are going to, you know, 
meet each other in that first round is the 2-3 with the Devils having home ice. Now, there are how many games we got left here? One, two, three, four, five games left for each team. I mean, I guess anything's possible, three points, five games. And maybe the Rangers still could somehow catch New Jersey and get the home ice, but it's not very likely. Rangers have the Lightning tomorrow. You know, today's Tuesday, so that's tomorrow. Then at St. Louis, at Columbus, before returning home to close out the year against the Sabres and the Leafs. Let's look at the Devils' schedule real quick. Just now I'm curious. Um, again, I wouldn't go hard with it. I'd be getting more ready for the postseason. Devils will play Pittsburgh tonight, Columbus on Thursday. Then they go to Boston on Saturday. Then they have Buffalo next Tuesday. And close out with Washington in Washington on Thursday. So, I mean, look, what does that all mean? Nothing, actually. But just that I do feel like the Devils are going to be that number two seed and the Rangers will be third. I'm not putting much stock into this Tampa Bay game on Wednesday night. I know people are. I am not. Get Lindgren healthy. Get me to the postseason. Which, by the way, when do we have... Do we have a start date on that? I know the Knicks only have how many games left? The Knicks have three games left. Tomorrow, jeez, oh I can't even read this. My eyes are shot. Knicks are at Indiana and I believe at New Orleans before closing out at home at the Garden on April 9th. That would be Easter Sunday. Close out with the Pacers at home. I mean, the playoffs are, you know, the playoffs are here for basketball and, and hockey. I don't know if I'm ready for it, to be honest with you. I got my baseball mind going on. Now we got to dive into what are going to be intense first-round matchups, Rangers, Devils, and Knicks, Cavs. That is going to dominate the airwaves here, at least on this show. Well, Jason is calling from Waterbury. What's up, Jason? Hey, what up, Sal? How are you tonight, bro? How are you, Jason? Yeah, doing well, thanks, brother. Um, listen, before I bring up my Mets point, um, I was just gonna say you were talking about that Vince McMahon book earlier, and I just wanna, I was gonna, you know, think about thinking about reading it just because I want to see what he says about the greatest ever, the Macho Man Randy Savage, in that, uh, in that book, my man. You know what kind of comments he's got about Macho, but um, to my Met point, um, and I know Mark well, why do you think Macho he, too. Why, well, yeah, why well, do you think he's be talking about Macho Man? Well, because you know the the I guess the you know the rumors that happened with Stephanie. You know what I you mean. You think he's gonna you you think he's gonna address that? I highly doubt that's gonna I, be yeah, in this book. No, I don't. I don't know if he's gonna address that. I just want to see if you know if he's um if he addresses something about Macho because you know what when Macho um when Macho left WCW in two thousand, I really thought Macho would end up going back to to the uh, WWF like Hogan did. And did they put reason, him? Did, did they put him in the Hall of Fame, Macho Man, or Yeah, no? I remember Hogan inducted him, which is a disgrace, you know what I mean? It's a, and the Marco, Why? ask Marco about that. Because oh, Hogan's the, Hogan's the greatest of all time, you no, know that. No, he's not. Macho's the greatest ever. But nah, no, no, yeah, come on, Macho WrestleMania is. 5. Remember, Hogan yeah, with the leg yeah, drop. Macho yeah, couldn't Macho even get got, up. Yeah, Macho got robbed, but Hogan kicking out of that elbow. You kidding me? You see how Macho <laughs> flew on that elbow drop? <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, Sal, listen, right? you're the man, Sal. Um, listen, with, um, with the Mets, right, I actually think, believe it or not, Carrasco's going to be fine. 
Um, you know, I, you know, he goes through these stretches sometimes during the regular season, but I, I, I actually think, believe it or not, that he's going to be okay. But I just don't understand the Mets with, I know, you know, the Correa thing fell through, but I'm just shocked they didn't sign J.D. Martinez. You know what I mean? Like, J.D. Martinez was out there, why they brought back Ruff and Vogelback and Vogelback. The guy, he never even takes the bat off his shoulders. He got runners on base. I mean, the guy, he's always looking at, what's he going to do when he walks? He, he, you know, like you said, he clogs up the bases. Why would a guy like that be looking to walk when he comes up with guys on base? I mean, the guy's done nothing since he's been here. And, you know, J.D. Martinez, you know, people think he's finished or whatever. But, I mean, I actually think he's going to be okay for the Dodgers this year. And it only cost the Dodgers $10 million. I just don't understand why the Mets didn't sign him and, and make him um, the everyday DH. I don't think the Mets loved – and thank you for the call, Jason. We appreciate you checking in. Um, I don't think the Mets loved Martinez as a player. So I don't think it was anything to do with money. It's just that they felt they wanted to keep that spot. You know, you bring in J.D. Martinez, and now you're locking up the D.H. spot with Martinez, who, by the way, is off to um, a so-so start. He's got one homer uh, so far. What is he? Let's see. 20 at-bats. Five for 20 so far on the year with a couple of doubles and a home run. Four ribbies. I mean, it's better than anything the Mets have. Um, but I don't think Martinez is that difference-making bat. I didn't think that it was last year at the trade deadline. I don't think that that would have been a guy that would have gotten me excited. Now, would that be an upgrade over Vogelback and Ruff? Sure. But the Mets need to do better there. And I like the idea of keeping that spot open, whether it be to bring up uh, a top guy from the minors Whoever that is, Beatty, Alvarez, however they want to play it eventually down the road. I think Beatty's going to end up taking over third base and they'll figure out to add another DH or just at the trade deadline and bringing in another bat. And then you could use, let's say the Mets go out there and get the best outfielder available at the trade deadline. Whatever the best outfield bat is, they go get it. Stick them in left field and have Canna then DH. And now you could live with that or, or whatever, have that outfield bat become a DH and, you know, split time where they could uh, use the DH spot to give some of the outfielders or whoever a day off. But you get the point. If you have J.D. Martinez, now you're spending 10 million bucks and you might not get the production that you wanted anyway. So you're spending that 10 million on top of Vogelback and Roth, which is wasted money. And you still need to go out there and get another bat. So I'm not going to criticize them for not going after J.D. Martinez when I didn't, you know, uh, I wouldn't have been on him necessarily anyway. Even last year at the trade deadline, he was one of the big names, but he didn't do much after he got traded or uh, after the deadline anyway. So when you look at, you know, where it was a possibility, remember we were talking about J.D. Martinez potentially getting traded. He didn't do anything. He was having a bad year anyway. So I do think... He may not be washed totally. He's not the same player that he once was. Get the discussion started. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Salakata back on the fan, 877-337-6666. We'll finish up with your calls here before the warm-up show with Al and Jerry. Just looking over the schedules here. It'll be here before you know it. So the NBA postseason, the play-in tournament, I guess, the rounds or whatever you want to call it, starts April 11th. So that is a week from today, as we are officially now on this Tuesday on the fan. So a week from today, 
the play-in tournament starts. Obviously, the Knicks will not be part of that. The Nets still have, I guess, a possibility of being in that. Right now, Brooklyn, although it's not likely, Brooklyn has a two-game lead over Miami for that sixth spot. The Knicks have a two-game lead or two-and-a-half-game lead over the Nets for the fifth spot. So the Knicks are going to be, you know, there's only three games to go here. The Knicks should be fine. Brooklyn should be fine uh, as well as they've now won three in a row, fortunately for them, securing that spot um, in the uh, in the sixth seed there. But either way, the playing tournament starts April 11th, and then that's basically it. So we got a week to go until the NBA postseason, and it is going to be Knicks and Cavs with the Cavs. I mean, we've known these playoff matches. It's weird. We've known the playoff matchup for a while now with both the Knicks and the Rangers. Knicks and Cavs are going to be in the first round where the Knicks will be the five seed. They will not have home court. You just hope to get Julius Randle back. That's going to be the key for them. And when it comes to the Rangers, we're talking about it. It's going to be, as we've been focusing on for a while, it's going to be the Rangers and Devils in all likelihood with the Devils having home ice. In the NHL postseason, that gets underway April 17th. So you still got a little ways to go for that. We're you know about two weeks away from the playoffs. And once that starts, that is just for both those series. And we don't know if they're going to cross over or not. Who knows what the Knicks are going to be able to do in that first round. But, I mean, the overlapping of those games, those are must watch. To, to me, that's the only thing that takes precedent over the baseball. Baseball is king, Mets, Yankees, whatever they do. But, man, once those playoff series start, and it just hasn't happened often enough with the Knicks and Rangers being in the postseason the same time. So it's going to be exciting around here. Not to mention, like we said, the Rangers will be playing the Devils. And the Islanders and Nets will also be in the postseason. The Islanders right now would match up with Carolina, right? Because Pittsburgh is going to be the last team in. Um, so it would be Boston, which means Pittsburgh would face, I mean, I guess it could be Car- uh, Florida too. I mean, look, they're all right there. The Islanders actually could still find themselves on the way out. But you know, they lost two straight here. The Islanders, 87 points right now, and they've played the extra game. You have Pittsburgh and Florida right behind them, where Pittsburgh has 86, Florida has 85 points but they've each played one fewer game than the Islanders. So, I mean, maybe it's not a guarantee that the Islanders will be in, but still, I mean, if they take care of their own business here, just win a couple of games and the Islanders will be in. Anyway, if the Islanders do get in, I guess it's still then up for grabs that they could play either Carolina or Boston, and that will change uh, dramatically depending on who they face. I mean, either way, it's not going to be a favorable matchup for them, but where they are as far as bracket goes, meaning that if they played Carolina, then they could face the Rangers or Devils, but the Rangers are going to win that series. So if they played Carolina and won, they would match up with the Rangers in the second round, which could be a lot of fun. As for the Nets, they're going to take on, in all likelihood, the Sixers. The Sixers are locked in in that third spot, or at least, uh, you know, they're three games separated from either the Cavs or the Celtics. So they should be locked into that third spot and they will be taking on Brooklyn in all likelihood, assuming that Brooklyn hangs on to that sixth spot. You know, that's, that's not going to be a good matchup for the Nets, you wouldn't think. Which is why it was imperative for the Knicks to finish in the top five because you know, and look, the Cavs are not going to be a pushover, but the Cavs are at least beatable. The Knicks can maybe take out the Cavs. Any of those top three, you would say that the Knicks are going to struggle with. And you certainly didn't want to be in the play-in because anything could happen there. 
and you're actually having, you know, the, the Knicks deserve some credit for a terrific regular season. I don't know why it just doesn't feel as appreciated as maybe it should, even when you compare it to what the Rangers did. Yeah, all right, the Rangers aren't at the top seed in the Metro, but still, by all accounts, they had a terrific regular season. And it's unfortunate they might fall just short of the Devils and being that number two, but I still think the Rangers could go on a run to win the Stanley Cup. Maybe that's the big difference is that we feel like the Rangers can win the Stanley Cup, and I really do think that they are going to win. I just I, I mentioned the reasons yesterday. You know, going through the adversity that they did earlier in the year, Shesterkin being back to playing at the level that he was a year ago, all the skill position players, the fact that they're gelling now with Kane, with Tarasenko, the special teams, the coach, getting Lindgren back healthy. I feel like all the pieces are in place for the Rangers. Plus, they're not the favorite. Everybody's going to be picking Boston. So I think that plays in their favor, maybe slide onto the radar a little bit. Plus, the Western Conference is not as dominant as it has been in years past. All those things add me to believe that this might, in fact, be the Rangers' year to win another Stanley Cup, the first one since 1994. Anyway, you look at what the Knicks have done, and it really shouldn't be overlooked because, you know, a couple of years ago we thought it was a fluke, right? The pandemic year, Knicks make it to the playoffs as a four seed in the Eastern Conference. Everybody was hyped. Julius Randle, an all-star. Tibbs, his first year. Look at what this Knicks team can be. Defense. Defense. And then they fall apart last year after getting bounced in the postseason. You know, the, the Hawks just you know did away with them where it was really non-competitive. Trey Young and, and Atlanta ate him up, disappointingly so. And you figure that was a, the chance the Knicks had to, to win a, a first-round matchup. Anyway, they didn't. And then they followed up with a bad performance. They go get Jalen Brunson in the offseason, and I, I don't think the expectations were there that this team was going to be a top-six team, maybe a play-in team, maybe. Right, because how do you go from making the playoffs as a four seed two years ago to then nothing last year and feeling like, you know, all right, that it was a fluke. You can't even you, you go from the four seed to being out of the postseason. What a disastrous year the Knicks had a year ago. Makes you think the year before was a fluke. And no, it proved it wasn't. Randall back to being an all-star. Jalen Brunson proving to be a legitimate star in this town and in this league. Leading this team, carrying this team, those two guys. Uh, as well as good bench play, Emmanuel Quickly, Quentin Grimes, and look, even the, the other starters, whether it's R.J. Barrett, I know he's inconsistent and drives you nuts, but still, he's been a contributor. Mitchell Robinson, I mean, we've gone over uh, the guys who have contributed for the Knicks this year. They're a solid team, but the fact that they went from four seed to out of the playoffs, now back to the fifth seed in a pretty good Eastern Conference with Milwaukee, Boston, Philadelphia. You know, the Cavs, they made some upgrades. They get they get Donovan Mitchell, the guy the Knicks wanted, but the Knicks didn't want to dismantle the team to get it. Either way, I think finishing fifth for the Knicks is a tremendous accomplishment. Now, of course, 
they're going to have to go out there and win around. I mean, that's what it's going to be about. We know that there is a ceiling, as much as we don't want to put a ceiling on this team, because when they've gone well this year, when they've, uh, they've been playing good, they look like on any given night, I mean, they did it. They even beat Boston in Boston without Jalen Brunson. And I know that the regular season is different than the postseason, but the Knicks have proven that on any given night, they can compete with even the best of teams. Right? They've done it with Denver, the best team in the West. They've taken care of them. So there are, you know, at least possibilities for this team. But I feel like we do cap it, and there is doubt, and rightfully so, because they just haven't been very good in such a long time, that there is doubt about how far this team can go. But either way, the idea that they could be a legitimate five seed and have a chance to beat the Cavs in the first round, I think that that's saying a lot, and they should get a bunch of credit for finishing the year strong and making sure they they weren't a playing team because I think that was the expectation coming into the year. Best case scenario was, yeah, you know what? Maybe they'll be a play-in team this year. I can't see them being top six. And look, maybe, I was going to say even Brooklyn trading their guys away, maybe that helped, which I'm sure it did to a certain extent. But still, even Brooklyn themselves is going to be a top six. So whether they finish third or fourth, doesn't matter. The Knicks would have been top six over both Miami and Atlanta and Toronto. I'm not sure many people thought that would be the case coming into the year. And we'll see. Like I said, playoffs start a week from today. Until then, though, it's baseball. We'll be back again tomorrow. Same place, same time. Thanks to EJ Stewart for all his help throughout the course of the night. Thanks to everybody who listened and everybody who took the time to call. We appreciate each and every one of you. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. We'll see you later at 2. The warm-up show with Alan Jerry. That's coming up next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.